And we are back on the Sports Gloss, March 2nd. Justin and Jamal, thank you so much for listening. We had some tech issues in the last episode. We've survived in advance on those. We're buzzing tonight on Thursday, March 2nd. Again, thanks so much for listening. I had some people hit me up, say they're listening in their cars while we're driving. Really love and appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. The pride of Glen Allen, Virginia, sitting across from me, Jamal Cox. How the hell are you? Super excited. <laughs> Full of energy. Let's go. <laughs> sounds like it. Sounds like it. I want to start. I want to start because it's topical and, and there's been some big movement lately. I want to start with the biggest local team in our area. I want to start with the goddamn Vancouver Canucks. I am hot on the case of the Canucks right now, Jamal. Give me give me a little breathing room on this while I set the table, please. Clear the sir. lane. ISO. Let's go. Let's go back to 2011. In 2011, the Canucks lose on home ice in Game 7 to the Boston Bruins. That hurts. That's the definition of sports pain. I was in downtown Vancouver that night. I did not flip a car. I did not light anything on fire. Thank you for asking. However, I did get tear gas in my eyes and nostrils, and it hurt like hell. That was 2011. My fandom of the Canucks waned a little bit it took a couple years to recover from that sports pain i came back on in 2014 the canucks hired the assistant gm of the boston bruins jim benning a guy whose whole mo was he was this amazing drafter of talent this guy can identify the players you need to win the Stanley Cup. That was the whole reason for hiring. That's why Francisco Aquilini hired him. That was his angle. This guy went on to trade away every effing draft pick. I'm sorry I'm hot. I'm sorry I'm cursing. I'm angry. I'm angry. Don't apologize. It's just passion. What happened yesterday made me angry. It kind it pushed my fandom to the absolute edge, to the absolute brink. Back to Jim Benning. They hire him in 2014. He trades away every draft pick they have for middling second and third liners, second and third pair defensemen. They brought him into draft cats. He doesn't draft anybody. Trades away all the draft picks. They bring in Trevor Linden as the director of uh, president of hockey ops. TL16's an absolute legend in the area. I got a TL16 tattoo on my ass. <laughs> He doesn't last long because Trevor Linden realizes the combination of Jim Benning, Francisco Aquilini, who's the owner, his brother's also a part of it, is a bad mix. He doesn't like the mojo. He was hyped to get the role. After a little while, I think he realized that he couldn't win, and he pulled out, which he didn't want to do to a franchise that he's been a part of since he's like 18 and drafted, drafted on a medicine hat. 2020, the Canucks have this little blip of playoff success. They go on this bubble run in Edmonton, if you remember, and everyone was all geeked up on this bubble run. Now, that's really thrown things askew because in that little moment when goalie uh, Thatcher Demko got hotter than Hades, the Canucks thought that they were in the mix, right? Horvat played really well. He's gone, RIP. We'll get there in a second. And that sort of gave the ownership a sense of like, hey, we're close to a cup. And, you know, I think we can sort of um, take from that, that the that especially the management thought they could also push this team into a, a playoff position and be a contender. They are not a playoff 
contender. 2021, the aforementioned Jim Benning gets hired because the Canucks are scuffling. They made the playoffs two of the last nine years. Grotesque. Grotesque, right? And this is a hard place to be. Imagine being a player having mics in your face every day after practice, after games, getting asked the same question. No wonder nobody wants to play here anymore. Again, this is a team that's had 52 seasons and has never won a Stanley Cup, like, and the passionate fan base that it has. I proceed. They bring in Jim Rutherford, Trader Jim. He's won three cups, two in Pittsburgh, one in Carolina with my boy Rod the Bod. They bring him in to sort of right the ship. This old guy's like 74, looks 74. They Aquilini brings this guy in to sort of head up the new management. They've got Patrick Alvine, who was the, the Penguins' previous assistant. He's the new GM, but really Rutherford's making the calls. And then in the last two years, it's the same old stuff. They've got yesterday what pushed me over the brink, JC, is they trade for this defenseman from... Detroit. Stevie Y fleeces Trader Jim and they get this defenseman Ronick. They trade away the first round pick they got from Bo Horvat. They trade away a second rounder they've also got. And that is the rub. Why on earth? Why on earth are we trading away any? I said we there. I used we speak there. Don't hold that against me. <laughs> Why are they trading away any type of draft capital? Not only that, this Ronick defenseman is apparently, I've never seen him play. He scored like 38 points last year. He's going to end up with 50 this year. Apparently, he's quite a sound defenseman. He's going to lead them to more wins. So, in fact, he's impacting their ability to get a top three pick even more because he's quite good. Like, utter nonsense. Utter freaking nonsense. Like, so so now we've got no, again, we, ouch. But they've got no chance at Bedard, right? So Connor Bedard, North fan kid, going to be the next big thing. Hotter than a pistol. The Canucks are going to win enough games that they don't have a sniff at Bedard. That trade yesterday Push me off the edge. I'm so pissed at the Canucks. As we said in a previous pod, pod, I would not want to see the Canucks play. I got no interest seeing them play. I'm, I'm, I'm furious. I'm actually furious. I'm like, I'm right at the edge, man. Like this has been a long road and the Canucks are, they're playing with my emotions, boy. Ah, the mutual friend said it's like being in an abusive relationship. Couldn't agree more. And I keep going back, flip on the TV every year. In training camp, I get excited. This is the year. Here we go. And what happens? I get hurt. I get my heart broken. Physical, mental, emotional abuse. He can change. I know he can change. <laughs> He's a project, but he can change. I love you. I love you. You can do this for me. You can do this for me. JC, that trade yesterday, really, the Ronick trade, where Stevie Y again just fleeced the Canucks, just pushed me to the brink, man. I'm so pissed at the Canucks. You can, you can give me tickets. You couldn't offer me discount tickets, which you did today. I am not taking them. I'm not taking the Canucks. I have no interest. I, wouldn't, I have no, not an interest in watching them. Thanks, but no thanks. I'll take a pass. Damn. It's, that's that's real anger. That's there's no show there for the pod. That's real anger. I am but hurt. Your face is the same color as your shirt, so I know you're hot. <laughs> I am hot, man. I'm really hot. Like this has been a long road. Again, two out of the last years, last nine years, they made the playoffs. The other couple of years, fifteen, thirteen, and twelve, they lost in the first round. 
It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Do you, is there a fix? Thank you for saying that. The fix is the problem that they've had is they've they've tended to be middling. When I was saying earlier, they're trading all their draft capital for second and third liners, forward, second and third pair defensemen. They need to do, instead of this retool, they need to go down to the studs and they need to rebuild. That's what irritates me so much about Ronick, this defenseman that they've got, because they need to hold on to Hughes, hold on to Pedersen, hold on to the Demko. Um, he's got the bad Caucasian hips, which I can relate to. And they need to hold on to those three pieces. They signed Miller for a long time. They've just excommunicated Bo Horvat to the island. They need to draft players. They need to draft as many players as they can in the first five rounds and hope that some of them hits. They need to stink for a couple years, get those early picks, build off of that, and then grow forward with those guys. Quinn Hughes, one of the best skating defensemen in the league, went to Michigan, go blue. They are wasting his time. Wasting his time, guy. It's it's so irritating. It's so irritating. And then they just, like, of course, they're going to trade all their assets at the deadline. For a couple of minutes when they traded Luke Shen the other day, other day sort of a solid defender, they trade him back to the Leafs. You're thinking like, oh, hey, they got a third rounder for him. You're thinking like, hey, we got some here. Like, maybe they're finally realizing they need to dump all the assets and, like, draft some guys. A day later, a day later, they trade for Ronick, this defenseman from Detroit who's a good player, and they trade a first round for it. Are you fucking kidding me? You hold on to every first rounder. Those first rounders are how you build your top two lines. It's how you get skill. It's how you get a stud defenseman who, who can anchor your your back end for, for years. That's how you do it. Such bullshit. Lack of incompetence. I apologize for swearing. I'm just hot, JC. So just blow it up and trust the process. That's the way to go, in your opinion? I would that would be a nice start. It appears to me like over the last 10 years there just hasn't been a plan. Yeah. You know, we're good, we're good. We'll just keep being good. And the rub there is sort of the inference is that Aquilini wants them sort of be good enough to make the playoffs, get a couple of home gates, right? A little bit of money. That's okay. Pad my pockets. I don't really want to win everything. Do I really want to win the cup? Right? Like, not really. So they've sort of just been middling for so long. You would think that they realize, hey, this isn't working. We do need to strip it down and kind of rebuild as opposed to tweaking and the retooling, which has led to nada. Nada. You know, it's one of those things. It's always a fine line kind of that fool's gold of like being in the mix and maybe you're in the playoffs or maybe you get that taste, like you said, in 2020 where you're relevant for a bit and then you think, okay, we can compete. We're here when really it's borrowed time. It's a time bomb. Let's just get out, blow the thing up, start it all over. I think it's something, you know, we're now in March. It's it that year they were in the bubble. They just got hot at the right time and they they hit a heater at the right time and started streaking. We're going streaking in the <laughs> bubble and they made a nice little run. And off of that, they sort of thought they were in the conversation. Are you be, talking about the Lakers? <laughs> nice. To be in the conversation of one of the best teams in the conference. And clearly the history just before that and just after that has shown that they're not close at all. They're not close at all. So why you don't just accumulate and accrue every draft pick that you can, draft some talent, scout your brains out, and reevaluate, recalibrate in a couple of years, that's how you do it. I mean, that's look at the Rangers. 
Patty Kane just got traded to the Rangers. We'll get there in a second. But look at the Rangers. They tore it down. They actually sent out a letter to all their season ticket holders. And essentially what the letter said was, hey, we sorry we suck so bad right now. But we appreciate your business and we're trying really hard and we will be better in two to three years. Stay with us and thank you for your patronage. Fast forward three and a half years. They pick up one of the biggest guys in the show and they're heading into the playoffs and you, they're, you know, don't quote me, but they're probably one of the top five betting odds to win the cup this year to raise Lord Stanley. So that's what I mean. There's just been, there just seems to be no foresight. I think the owner, Francisco Aquilini and his brother, who also, if I can be so bold and I'm on a heater, so I'm going to be so bold. There's some sort of scuttlebutt out there that they own a lot of businesses, a lot of real estate. It's all a little murky. (laughs) <laughs> there's some talk that maybe they don't treat their employees so well. They, yeah, they have a lot of, they do a lot of agricultural stuff and some of the workers they bring in to do that, they don't treat so well. I don't think that's a rumor. I think that's in fact, fact, that's an aside. I'm saying the, the Canucks organization has been in shambles since 2011 when they lost in home ice and I got the pepper spray in my eyes and here we are in 2023 and it hurts. It hurts. You mentioned the Kane trade, and mm-hmm. for me, as kind of a novice, casual fan, it's going to be so strange not seeing him as a Chicago player. Now he's in his home state, mm-hmm. playing with the Rangers, bringing those amazing hands to the Rangers. They got Tarasenko, I believe, earlier, yeah. Yeah. and they're relevant again. But I just want to take a moment and just kind of have a, a quick little moratorium on that period with Taves, Sharp, Kane, uh, you know, those guys, uh, Duncan Keith, mm-hmm. uh, guys I can't think of, Brent Seabrook, all those guys yep. that that era. BC boys, last two guys are BC boys, yeah. Yeah, so that era is is gone. You know, Taves is dealing with that long COVID, which has got to be hell. He's done for the rest of the year. So that's an interesting transition for that franchise. Mm-hmm. And then the Rangers always got to try to be relevant within that context of that, uh, that market as well. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see that shift. Kane going there, and like we said, Tarasenko, some other guys. They've made some moves. There's a little heat on my guy, Andre Miller. We're not going to get into that tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see how things shake out for them. And I bet you the Blackhawks rebuild it more quickly than the freaking Canucks do, right? Like the, the Blackhawks are much more astute. I'm sure they've had this big moment, as you've just said. Taves is out for the rest of the year. They just traded sort of the fran- one of the franchise faces for the last decade, decade to the Rangers. Man, I bet you they turn it around more quickly than the bloody Canucks. Like, I would not be surprised. I saw Kane in um in a Rangers hat. I, they played tonight. I didn't see any of that tonight, but some in a Rangers hat. It did look looked odd. Looked obviously was different, but it looked a bit odd to me. Yeah, it's weird. Is he wearing eighty eight? I think he's wearing eighty eight. All right, so at least one thing remains the same. I saw um, Jalen Brunson walked into the Knicks in a in a Kane eighty eight ranger sweater as we say wow the sweater yeah i thought that was pretty that was pretty icy big shout out lefty to lefty there yeah um how do you feel about some of the other trades that are kicking around here at the deadline uh jonathan quick to the columbus blue jackets the blue jackets of columbus he was there for uh, about a half hour i I don't know if you saw they put out a funny tweet like thank you jonathan right and then they (laughs) Then they promptly shipped him to the Vegas Golden Knights, Vegas Golden Knights, which was pretty funny. Um, it's lots like of- a Pat Vev 
Pat Bev kind of a vibe. Yeah, exactly. Lots of people uh, a bit perturbed by the way that he was treated, his sort of exit from LA. Thought that maybe that wasn't handled so smoothly. Guy won two cups for the Kings, has backstopped them for the last decade. Not a lot of people happy with that. Maybe they sort of thought they he, they didn't treat him very well on the way up, but they had to make a maybe make a bit of a change. Um, Where's he from? Jonathan Quick, like Massachusetts or something. He's yeah, an like American. New Hampshire or yeah. somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. Vermont. Okay. Got it. Um, Ryan O'Reilly to the Leafs. No Leafs talk on this pod. This is not a Tobacco, okay? You want Leafs talk? You go somewhere else. There's lots of that shit out there. This ain't Peterborough. We're in Victoria. Uh, I'm mostly joking. Mostly. Um, yeah, that's that's all that really jumps to mind. We got a couple more days until the trade deadline. We'll see what happens. Oilers have done a few things. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I want to ask the most important question, and that's about fits. Mm. You're talking about Jonathan Quick. I caught a little bit of the his former team, the Kings, the other day. How do you feel about those chrome dome lids? I like those those shiny, shiny buckets. Hey? I love them. Guys must be polishing those, polishing those all afternoon. The equipment, equipment dudes just polishing them up. I love it. Yeah, I like them too. And how do you feel as well? You're talking about white gloves? Vegas? Yeah, yeah, I like the white gloves. white gloves. I like the white gloves. I think the white gloves look really clean. I like them too, man. I might be in the minority. I might be a minority in the minority, but I love both of those things. <laughs> Me too. Well, as do I. As do I. Um, we're going to get into the white caps talk now, but that's that's a part of it too, JC. So that's why the Whitecaps need to take advantage of this time. The Canucks are not going to be playing playoff spring hockey. The Caps need to seize the market. We talked about the Caps in the last pod. They just had their home opener. They play this Saturday in San Jose against the Earthquakes. Shout out to Wondolowski. They need to take advantage of this gap in the market. A lot of casual sports fans need something to do, somebody to root for. If the Caps could get hot, get some wins, get some buzz, sign an aging superstar out of Europe, I feel like BC, Vancouver would really support them and and kind of follow them through their growth. It's The opening is there for the Caps to kind of seize the moment and draw eyeballs and draw interest and draw viewers. And I really would like them to do that. That would be a pro of the Canucks stinking so bad. We're blue. We're white. We're fucking dynamite, Vancouver! <laughs> Love the Caps. Uh, we were texting during the game last week. Pretty good game. Man, the Caps look really good. The White Caps look good through most of it. The, their possession was just jumping off the screen to me, JC, over in Cook Street Village. The possession of the ball, the tidy passing. I thought they played really well. They looked really good. They're moving the ball well. The kid, I can't think of his name right now, but number 20 playing uh, center defensive mid. Hmm. Name's escaping me. But he was doing a lot of uh, good things. Just a great pivot um, as as far as my concerns when I was watching the game. The new Japanese keeper mm -hmm. was looking good, like handling the ball. He had like, one little like yeah. slick pass where he kind of deked a guy and like just and, and made a simple pass. He made a, a simple pass look difficult, but things were moving well. They got that early goal, and then two minutes of madness. Hope he didn't go for a pee for those two minutes. You would have missed two goals. I did. <laughs> I actually missed one of the goals hitting the loo too. Actually. Yeah, I mean... It happened quick. It, it really was like two minutes, two and a half minutes. It went from 1-0 one, one to 2-1, just like that. I think it was the goals in the 70th and 72nd, if I believe, yeah. memory serves. 
and it was it was it was tough because soccer can be a cruel sport because you can be dominating the possession have uncle mo on your side and then just something goes sideways and then you're chasing again you know your boy gold had a great game the he scottish was... messy ryan gold <laughs> was... he's the engine of the team like he's the he driver is. of the team yeah it was i saw a lot of them just kind of playing through the back a bit and then playing it like to the target number nine he's not actual number nine but playing to that target forward and then holding the ball up and then running like the wings off of that and i think the kid's name starts with a j i'm sorry i can't remember the name it's not jerome but it's something to that effect Dahomey. Dahomey. sorry yeah. shout out to the homies what a great it's like great handle it's right there with like patrick mahomes like mahomes and um they had some moments they looked really good it was attractive soccer and like you said i think that they can draw in some fans because it's going to be an early summer for vancouver canucks fans so why not go watch the Whitecaps? Mm-hmm. You're right. It was attractive soccer to watch. Like it was really entertaining. Even for a mild soccer fan, I feel would find that interesting. That's why we're going to keep pushing the Caps on the sports gloss. The Caps are a great team, a worthy product. The whole MLS is a worthy product. I think. I think people need to give it a little more space as soccer grows and continues to grow. I think the MLS is a great product. And if you're if you're just getting into soccer, you know, grab one of these MLS teams and and support you. That being said, you've had a feeling that MLS has kind of shot themselves in the foot with this new television rights deal. You want to talk about that for a second? The history of this is, um, this starting this year, MLS took a big payday from Apple Plus. Um, to Apple Plus now has the rights. In the States, it used to be ESPN. In Canada, it was TSN. Apple has bought the rights to the MLS. There's still some games on TSN, and there's probably still some games on ESPN, but it's like a third of the schedule. Apple paid the big dough to buy the league. Now, again, MLS is sort of a pyramid scheme, the shape of their organization. They they have new expansion teams every couple of years. The other teams get paid from that, so they're always looking to add teams. Matthew McConaughey just put a team in Austin a couple years ago. That barn looks electric. He's out there clapping. I love that. Um, but they took the payday from Apple because I'm sure it was a quite a substantial payday. But the problem with that is there's less eyeballs watching this on sort of your regular telecast across North America on those two networks. Like a TSN so, or an ESPN, for example. So now these games are now, you got to pay to play, you got to pay to watch, you got to pay a little bit extra of a premium to watch. And of course, that's going to take a, a lot of eyeballs. People who don't want to pay, can't pay, just seems like another extra thing to pay every month. So they've decided not to do that. And I think that's going to hurt the league a little bit. It, it does take eyeballs off the product. And um, yeah, I, I just, I think it's a little bit short-sighted, but I'm sure Apple, Apple's got tons of dough. I got an iPhone in front of me. I'm guilty as anyone. So I think they, they decided to take the check and roll with it, but I don't know what that's going to look in the long run. Let's see how that plays out. It's one of those things I'm frustrated with as well, because as someone who used to watch a lot of the English Premier League or British Premier League, I always forget they vacillate between the two names. It's one of those things where year to year, I'm thinking, okay, is it DAZN this year? Is it Fubo TV? Right, is right. it where can I find the Champions League's matches? All those kinds of things. So, you know, I would love to have some continuity there, but hopefully it works out for the best. But I agree with you. It's a bit of a um, bit of a kick in the pants. Yeah. I mean, a growing league like the MLS needs to be more accessible not less accessible right if we're going to put another paywall in front of people from watching it I mean, it's just going to detract from the product 
Speaking about accessibility, let's mm. talk about the Canadian women's soccer team and the new involvements there. It's kind of breaking news hot off the press today. Happened earlier tonight. A couple of insiders, you and I are. We got the scoop. We got the scoop. <laughs> Nick Nick Bontis, who we were hacking in a previous episode, is now out. And they've brought in five-time Canadian Olympian, Charmaine Crooks. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. She's brought coup. in she's brought in an assistant VP, a woman by the name of Kelly Brown, who's sort of more of a business oriented person to handle the Canadian Soccer Federation. Big this feels like a big step, a big stride, JC. I agree. You had the protests going on at the She Believes Cup. You even have locally I read about a, a girl on a U eleven team in Gorge, a Gorge soccer team that had led kind of a protest with the flipping the jerseys cool. or the purple jerseys and cool. what have you. And, you know, the world protested and they had some impact. And it's always beautiful to see those kind of grassroots things that that bear fruit. And and now we're looking at a, a deal possibly getting done, right? It sounds like a deal was done earlier t- today, even like that the Canadian or the Canadian women's national team is, in fact, accepted the latest offer that Charmaine and her new VP, Kelly Brown, have put together. It sounds like that's great, man. It's great. I love it's it. It's great. Like we said before, they hadn't been paid in a couple of years. Like, it's crazy. So the fact that Charmaine could come in, she has some previous experience. She's been on the Canadian Olympic Committee for a while. So she's familiar with that setting. And and clearly it's made a difference. Yeah, it's wonderful. And hopefully that's going to galvanize them as they look forward to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand this summer. Mm. Getting that off your shoulders. Know you're getting paid. Know you're getting the infrastructure and support that you need to excel and be an elite team. Which they are. They're a top three team in the world. Exactly. When you were talking about the uh, the support from a local, I thought you were talking about Neil Young popping up in Victoria on <laughs> Saturday afternoon. I thought was maybe... that Neil Young? I thought it was just a guy off of Pandora Street. <laughs> he looks like a denturist. I know, actually. The uh, I thought maybe Neil Young would be repping a a Canadian sweater on the stand as we're saving trees. I love that Neil Young popped up. <laughs> That's pretty cool for him to come through and us get a little bit of the spotlight for a moment. And and he did it. No one knew he was coming. It was totally unannounced. Got it like that. Daryl Hannah was in attendance as well. Pretty cool. Very cool. Very cool. JC, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Back on the Sports Gloss, Thursday, March 2nd in Little Owl Studios. Follow us on Instagram, the Sports Gloss. And if you do, and if you did today, you would have saw Jamal looking out his window, pining for some tennis, thinking about his game, thinking about the world of tennis as it is. Jamal, give me a little tennis world synopsis of where things stand right now, please. Oh, man, I've been thinking about tennis all day, all day, every day. All day, every day. <laughs> I even bought a racket today, by the way. I ordered a racket. Did you really? Just Yeah, just just took a flyer, uh-huh. ordered a racket, coming from Ontario. I'm excited to see what happens with that. My guy Dan's going to string it up for me. I'll give you guys a, an update about Love it in a few that. weeks. Just a tennis fiend you are, Jamal. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a great. yearning. It's tennis, great. Tennis, don't come around me naked on payday. <laughs> we'll spend all my money on you. So let's get into what we've done thus far with the tennis year. I will say 
from the start, if you haven't, and if you're a casual fan or a new fan, or even if you're like a diehard, take a look at the Breakpoint docuseries on Netflix. You know, it's kind of an entry level tennis documentary. Some people have I've read, you know, kind of insiders want a little bit more from it. But I think it's a great way just to learn some of the personalities and, and how the tour goes down. And Is it a behind the scenes kind of look? It's a behind the scenes kind I of see. a look. It's in the mold of the F1 series on Netflix, if, you've, if you're familiar with that. Yes. But it's great. Lots of uh, player interviews. You see their ups and their downs, and it's great. Tennis is so much personality and characters and storylines because you're the only one out there on the court. Mm-hmm. You're naked. Your emotions are, are evident to everybody. You got to battle through a lot of adversity. So it's a great series that encapsulates all that. So with that being said, looking back quickly, uh, I want to talk a bit of men's tennis. And Novak Djokovic was allowed into Australia this year. He wasn't Mm -hmm. allowed there last year. Some people jokingly will call him Novaks. I'm not a huge fan of him, but I respect him. He's kind of a LeBron for me. The body of work is amazing. He's got 22, you know, uh, Grand Slam championships after he won this one, and LeBron seems like an apt comparison to me as well. Yeah, right? he's, like he's won right everything. There. Yeah, he's kind of a polarizing figure. He's not beloved. He's not beloved, yeah. but he took the title. He got back to number one. Now, as we sit today, three hundred seventy-eight weeks and counting at the number one spot career cumulative. That's over seven years older Whoa. than LJ and Nico. Wow. Think about that for a second. Wow. Seven, Seven years, years in the number the one top. spot. It's wild. So that's just fodder for the goat race between him and Rafa and Roger. So that's a hell of a stat. It is a crazy stat. If you Jeez. think about grinding for so long. And he's only about 35, 36 years old, which, you know, in tennis years is like 50, but still he's getting it done. Jamal just referenced uh, our two younger children and their lifespans aren't as long as this guy's been the number one. Puts in perspective. Does it ever? Yeah. Wow. So Joe, uh, Novak Djokovic back on top, uh, just kind of getting into this full swing of the season. Now we got Indian Wells and Miami coming up the sunshine double as I teased last week. And, a few questions and storylines as we get ready for everybody to head to Palm Desert, California next week. My guy, Daniil Medvedev, the Russian octopus, he <laughs> he is, is he back? That's my question. Because he's hasn't lost in three weeks, which is quite a feat. He won, I believe, in Rotterdam. And then I can't recall, I think it was in Doha last week. And tomorrow... He's got a huge test. Probably by the time that you listen to this, this the results will be in. And he's playing Djokovic tomorrow mm. in the semifinals. So that's gonna be a te- like a it's gonna determine a lot of things. Medvedev, one thing, if I had to put one word on him entering in Indian Wells, if I kind of did a word association or word play, it would be fatigue. I'm wondering what your fatigue level is. He's a fatigue. We say right. He is a grinder. He is a big guy. He's 6'5". He's all arms and legs. He stands deep in the court. He wants to rally and just grind you down. His game is mental. Um, He just wants to just Mm. mentally just Mm. beat you down. So he's been grinding for the past three weeks. Also, he's got to fly from Dubai, where they are this, this, uh, this week in the tournament, 
and come all the way, I don't know, what is that, 11, 10-hour difference and get on the clock here in the Pacific Standard Time and see if he can get the thing done in California. He hasn't done it before, so we'll see what happens. Tough turnaround. It's a tough turnaround for sure. And we're talking about Novak. I'll stay there for a second. Uh, One second before you go there, JC. Novak's still buying the world's supply of that goat cheese. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? There's this cheese that he likes that goats produce, and he no. buys it's like very rare, and they only make like a certain amount of it. And he says, Forget the rest of y'all, I'm buying up this goat cheese, and you guys are on your own. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I think mm. he, I would look into it, and I'm curious, Dan, because mm. I, I know he's had some, um, he's been vegan here and there in his okay. career, so maybe he's made that switch. Okay, but I gotta look at this goat cheese. Look into the goat cheese, please continue. Apologies. No, no, I love it. So, the big thing with Novak is, is will he be allowed into the U.S.? He mm. Novak's he hasn't done you know got his COVID vaccination. He missed the whole summer last year, and will he even be able to play in California next Thursday or, or whenever the tournament starts? So curious to see what happens there. You know, as tennis, you want all eyeballs on your sport. You want the top athletes there, and Rafa's not playing because he's injured, still mm. kind of nursing his injury from Australia. He's not going to play at Miami either. Novak, you know, number one in the world. So we'll see if he gets this special dispensation to get in. I honestly doubt that he will, but maybe I'm wrong. So we'll see. Power of the number one seed might get him in. Yeah, it's true. And if he doesn't make it, that means that the number one seed will be the man who's on my shirt. Who's on my shirt right now, Justin? Alcaraz. That's right. Carlos Alcaraz, the present and the future of tennis. I'm saying it right now. I think he's 19. And he Is he just, that young? Yeah. Snap. He was number one at the end of the year last year. His ascension has been amazing, how he's just kind of come through the ranks as a, a prodigy and ascending to number one after winning the U.S. Open last year. If I had to give a comp to a player in a different sport, he gives me Giannis feels. Mm. He's just electric, puts his body on the line, can do so many different things, speed, power, mental game he has an amazing drop shot you never know what you're gonna get from him. he runs down everything and you know for better or for worse because he's actually a bit banged up now he had a, a run in south america one in buenos aires he beat cameron nori and then made it to the final again in rio and then pulled up kind of lame he finished the match but he had a little bit of a hammy problem so he took he pulled out of uh, don't we all we do, we do, but I'm not 19, you know? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, he's supposed to be in Acapulco this week as the the number one. Couldn't play, took some time off to heal. Indian Wells is a big deal, so let's see how he fares next week when he gets back to it. It's a great would, shirt. It's a great shirt. Yeah, he's he's a... Man, I I could talk about him for ages. We'll talk mm. more about him in He's a Spaniard? Park. He's a Spaniard, yeah. He's kind of the heir apparent to Rafa Nadal. I see. Yeah, like I said, 19. Great... Just demeanor, nice guy, big, big forehand, serves well, hmm. runs everything down. He's gonna be the new poster boy of Nike. I can call it right now. He's he's wearing Nike. You can you're gonna see his, his everywhere across the globe. Yeah, he just I think was on a I'm gonna say Vogue magazine or it was a, a pretty prominent Vogue, magazine. Vogue, Vogue, Vogue. <laughs> we love Madonna here on the the sports glass. Heck yeah! <laughs> but he was on a pretty prominent uh, magazine cover recently, and he also was wearing only Calvin Klein's 
Um, and he's European, so not left left not much left to the imagination on Jeez. that uh, that Calvin's Calvin's ad. So look out for that if you're so inclined. He's going for it, eh? And with the sponsorships, he's right there. You know, some people like we Victor Wembenyama apparently I've heard has been turning down a lot of different sponsorship opportunities. Doesn't want to do like a Pepsi or Coke ad because he doesn't consume the product. <laughs> Carlos is the Stu Young of tennis. He's just <laughs> green light and everything. Calvin. Give it to me. Yeah. Nike, give it to me. Babala, give it to me. So he's making making his money while he can. Good for him. Yeah, why Good not? Good for him. Have fun with it. I love it. So I just mentioned Rafa's out. That's always a bit sad. But the guy who played Rafa in the final last year and can't be overlooked at possibly repeating this year is the American number one, a number five player in the world. He took out Francis Tiafo just a few hours ago, and that's Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz, this is basically his home tournament. It was huge to see him win last year. He overcame some adversity with an injury of the day of the tournament. He's a very intense individual. He's got a flamethrower for a forehand, big serve. He's 6'5". I've met him last year in D.C. Mm. when I was at the City Open. I'll share an Instagram pic of me and him post-practice. Not the most flattering pic of Taylor, but he is all of 6'5", probably 6'6". Big kid, all arms and legs. Mm. He's really intense. He's kind of hit this next level. You're kind of wondering when he was going to break through, and he did last year. And can he can he do it this year? Like a word for him would be belief. Can you believe that you can do it again? You beat Rafa. You beat all these guys. Can you come back and have those expectations on your shoulders and meet those expectations once again? Hmm. So watch out for Taylor Fritz leading the way. There's a lot of Americans. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned on a pod that may not have made it to air, but they were about 10 Americans in the top 50. So there's some other guys kicking around. Tommy Paul, Francis Tiafo, probably the DMV, who I love. Mm-hmm. Lots of guys to watch. It's a big tournament. We go Palm Desert, then Miami. That's the circuit? Yeah, Palm Desert and then Miami. And so two American stops in a row. Yeah. East or West and then East Coast. Exactly. Both of those tournaments are Masters 1000s tournaments. So they're just a level below the um, the Grand Slams. I knew, I knew that. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> copy, copy. Thank you for that. Indian Wells is often called the fifth Grand Slam, the fifth slam because of its importance and just the magnitude of the event. So, And that was last year that Ben Stiller was yelling at, <laughs> who did he have a verbal exchange with Ben Stiller? Was that Djokovic or was that? Uh, Kyrgios. Kyrgios, that's right. Kyrgios. Yeah, that was that interesting exchange there. That was kind of... That was funny. Yeah, that was kind of... That, that was good. The stars do come out for this tournament. Uh, Stiller's a huge fan. You'll see him at the U.S. Open every right. every year with his his wife. And Kyrgios is banged up, too. He he pulled out of the Australian Open. He brings all the fans. You know, he's... He brings all the boys to the yard. He brings all the boys to the yard. He's a chaotic individual, but also has more talent than than probably anybody. Cool. So I don't know if he'll be there this year. He's a bit, a bit banged up. But we were talking about Americans. I briefly just want to talk about the Canadian scene. Felix Auger-Aliassim, he's got all the tools, Justin. Big forehand, huge serve. He looks. He just looks good on the tennis court. He does. He's 6'4", just lean. Looks looks like he was built to be a prolific tennis player. Yeah, and it's one of those things where we've he's been in our consciousness for so long. He was a, a prominent junior, made all of these inroads as a kid, kind of stuttered when he got to the the pros and then um last year he erupted but you still kind of feel like how old is he 22 23 early 20s yeah, yeah he's young not more than 23 and 
is this is this a breakthrough opportunity for him? I'm just wondering, can he put it all together? He doesn't have a plan B. He just wants to hit through everybody. He always struggles with Medvedev, who we talked about earlier. Is he healthy? He's healthy. He's just not playing well. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, the last mm. couple of weeks has just been a bit off. And he's one of those guys where all the conditions have to be right. He always plays really well indoor because there's no wind, there's no sun, the, the heat's controlled, all that stuff. I hate to say it. He grew up in Montreal, so it makes sense. Indian Wells is often very windy, so it's not really to his, you know, to his specs, if you will. So I'm curious what he's going to do. And then the other Canadian big name is uh, Denis Shapovalov, Shapo. He's a lefty, and we love a lefty. We love a lefty. Sorry, we love a lefty. <laughs> um, he lost to Fritz a couple of nights ago. And with him, it's the words mental. Can you mm. get your mental right? You know, he, he's got so much talent. I saw him when I was in D.C. He hits a lovely ball. He's so athletic. He's one of those dudes, you could put him on the ice. He could be a stellar athlete, sure. uh, stellar hockey player. hockey player. He could be a soccer player. He probably can can get buckets if he wants. He's 6'1", sinewy, lean, mm-hmm. just so smooth, great mover. He's just got to get the mental aspect. Sometimes he redlines too much and just overhits. He's also had a couple of sort of outbursts at umpires in yeah. the last couple of years, kind of lost his cool, popped his top, lost his shit a couple of times recently, which, you know, is a bit interesting. I think it was in Rome last year. Some fans were heckling him when he was talking to a ref and he That's caught right. on mic saying, shut the fuck up. That's right. Not a good look. To the paying public. I was told that Canadians were nice people, by the way. Incorrect. <laughs> But yeah, we'll see what their chances are. And as well, while we're here, Bianca's there, Bianca Andrescu. Let's see if she can get back on track. The thing with her is just injuries. Can she get past these injuries? Never healthy. She's never healthy. She's never healthy. She captured our hearts and minds just as Layla Fernandez did with those US Open runs. And she kind of hasn't been right ever since. Mm. So I want to see if this is an opportunity for them to get back. I don't expect either of those to win but i would love to see a deep run i haven't i feel like i haven't seen bianca put together a healthy six month stretch year-long stretch like she can't seem to hold on long enough without an injury i know and i don't know what's at that she took some time off she's done some stuff mentally got some coaching and support so i don't know um hopefully she can she can get it rolling here in palm desert and, and start a nice little transition as we move forward into the clay court season her parents always watching her. Mom's got her dog in her lap, right? And you see a little <laughs> little pooch in the lap in, in the in the stadium is a wonderful look, in my opinion. It's great. She's BB's got a got a whole vibe. She does for sure. Yeah. So yeah, really quickly, I just want to hit a few other points. If you're a betting man or woman out there, a few long shots to look for. If he's healthy, Yannick Sinner is going to be great. Italian kid, redhead, love a sinner, love a sinner. <laughs> Well said. I mean, his strokes, the match of the year last year was him and Alcaraz at the the U.S. Open. I'd like to see him get back to that level. He's got Darren Cahill in his coaching box now. He's getting to net more often and finishing points, and I think that is great for him. The sky's the limit. He's got so much talent, so he's going to be hovering on the top 10, but can he make a breakthrough next week or the next two weeks? And then as well, Cameron Norrie, one in Rio, lefty, we. Love a lefty. Where's he from? He is interesting. He's uh he's got the the Union Jack beside his name, hmm. but um spent some time in New Zealand, I believe, as well. And I think he also has some South African ties. And 
he went to TCU. The Horn Frogs. Yes, sir. Really? Yeah, he played at TCU, so he took a a, a road less traveled for a lot of pros and I'll played say. college ball, especially as a European. No kidding. And kind of a late bloomer. Kind of a if I had to equate him to someone, it's kind of like a Ginobili. He's a lefty. He's an orthodox. Kind of a late bloomer. Gets the job done. Nice. And um, he won two years ago, so it's very conceivable he could he could get the job done. And then I don't really like this kid. It's kind of a, a l'enfant terrible, but uh, Holger Runa, this kid from from Denmark, he's like eighteen or nineteen. His mom's at every match. His mom's got these crazy eyelashes that can't be real. Okay. I'm just saying, and okay. just just lots of vibes with this guy. Um, his it's interesting in comedy to watch him, but he's he's a really good player. So we'll see what he can do. Last thing I want to say here is I don't think he's going to be at the tournament, but remember the name Artur Fies, French player, 18 years old, reminds me of Felix, gonna be a superstar. Had two semifinals in Montpellier and Marseille indoor. Kid hits the hell out of the ball. He's mm fast he's serving over 200 kilometers an hour he gets the mental game right and he's gonna be good for a long time and with that wait hold on hold on jc i got something for you got a little nugget here did a little research this is um as per my comment about novak's love of cheese or perhaps a certain type of cheese usa today 2012 stay with me i'm with you since going gluten-free Novak Djokovic has transformed himself from a talented athlete and with occasional conditioning issues to one of the best in the world, now the best in the world, as you said. To keep up with the mantra, you are what you eat, the world number one has bought the entire supply of the world's most expensive cheese, which is said to have anti-allergen properties and retails for $585 a pound. A pound, and he bought all of it. The donkey cheese... (laughs) Is from excuse uh, me. Yeah, that's right. That's, <laughs> how many times have you heard that phrase? You can the, milk a donkey. The donkey cheese. I'm glad you made me repeat it because that is important. The donkey cheese is from Serbia, where he's from. It's similar to a Spanish marchego. It says here. Anyway, that's just. Apparently, restaurants are clamoring for this cheese. <laughs> Novak says you're not having any. If there's any out there, I'm buying it. What a weird flex. <laughs> I bought by all of your donkey cheese, sir. <laughs> donkey cheese. I think I thought it was goat cheese. Wish it still was. Are we allowed to talk about donkey cheese on this pod? Uh, With that, let's take a break. Let's take a break. We're back. Thanks for joining us on the Sports Gloss. If you haven't done it already, please follow us at the Sports Gloss on Instagram. Time for a little Q and A with J and J. 
Unofficially sponsored by JJ's Noodle House on Ford Street. <laughs> Jamal, have you had it? No. Oh, it's fantastic. Best Chinese food in the city. The gluten-free and the vegan options are really a hit at my house and with some pals. JJ's Noodle House, delicious. Get it in you next time you can. <laughs> I'm going to look into it. Love good, it. Good, man. It's good. <laughs> and as we talked about, it doesn't linger. Doesn't linger. <laughs> Important. That is crucial. I got to work the next day. <laughs> exactly exactly question so, question of the week please jamal question of the week is what is a memorable live sporting event experience memorable yeah. maybe not the best maybe not the worst but memorable yeah and i got one and it's a bit of recency bias but it's my most recent event that i've gone to or recognition and that was back in november I was lucky enough to get down with my family to Orange County and, and LA and California, uh, jumped up with my boy, Joe, shout out Joe, I know Joe. you're listening. <laughs> and we went to uh, a Clippers Cavs game. Clips v Cavs. Yeah. Joe procured the tickets for us and he did, did, did me a solid because he's like, Jamal's in town, doesn't happen often. We splurged a little bit. Funny thing is we splurged. Mm. It was a Clips game. I think I spent like 45 US on a ticket, which is totally reasonable. If it was a Lakers game, probably been triple, quadruple, whatever, bluple the the, yeah. the price for a mediocre product. But we went to the game. Pretty awesome. Uh, first time down in crypto, formerly Staples. It was crypto at the time? It was crypto at okay. the time. Yeah, it's quite a scene. Went in, we had like a special little entrance because we were on this kind of second second tier there. Felt real official. I remember I walked in, there was a guy working there, kind of an usher, and he was like, do you need some help? And they're like, no, no, like trying to play it cool. And then I walk in, I was like, I've never been in this place. I have no fucking clue where I am. And we were kind of looking around and the guy just like, he like shouts kind of like from like 20 meters away. He's like, I can help you. <laughs> And we had a laugh and it was all playful, but good vibes. Wonderful moment when you walk in any arena or stadium and you hit the outside of the gate and you're looking at the playing surface and you're sort of able to to sort of see the entire scope of it as you enter that. Even in a small barn, it's still really cool as you sort of enter that zone when you're looking for your seat and you look up and you're able to take it. That moment's really, I love, I love that moment. That's a great segue. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause once we made our, our, you know, way to the seats, you walk in and it just hits you. You're at that level. You're looking around. There's the lights, there's music's thumping, mm -hmm. you know, one of the best sound systems I've ever heard Her. in there. They definitely did not spare any expense. Walk in, get to our seats. We get to our seats. We have a waitress. Ha! <laughs> For 45 American, you have a waitress? Good gravy. We're on a first name basis, bro. Wow. So sit down. What do you want? I think I was dropping like, it wasn't exorbitant. Like, I feel like it was in the range of like 10 to 8 for a beer. I mean, I wasn't drinking anything fancy. Modelo, but... Modelo Negros? See? Mm. So we're hitting those and we got there a little bit early and it was interesting like lots of things going on like just we intentionally got there because we wanted to see the warm up you see ricky rubio just in like a, a tank top warming up just kind of rehabbing which was really cool and also one of those things that i don't know if people realize when you get to an nba basketball game and just to see the sheer athleticism and size of these guys it's nuts the speed on tv like 
does not do it justice to what it looks like when you're there in person with your own eyeballs, any, any sport, really, when you're there in the building, the speed, the physicality, everything TV doesn't do justice to the, the speed, especially in basketball and hockey. I find. I agree. Yeah. As well. I've, I've been to a, a Blackhawks, um, caps game when i used to live in virginia and i was just amazed at the sounds and just the 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 speed and it's exceeds any expectations that you have but this game it was cool just watching you're seeing like kevin love kind of milling around before the game and you see luke walton like doing his like little assistant coach thing and it's just lots of vibes and it's cool they've got like a little fireworks thing going on before we're in la so you're looking around I see Kenya Barris, like courtside. I see a few other people. There were uh, um, fellow Potter Bill Simmons in the house. He's a Clips season ticket holder. He was, he is, but he wasn't at that game. Dang. But my guy Steve Ballmer was there, Ooh. a bright pink uh, button down. Saw him kind of behind the basket, like giving it all, like he always does. And there were a few other guys. Derwin James was there. Uh, there were a few other NFL players. Billy Crystal. <laughs> City Slickers, Frankie well, Muniz. City Slickers, great. Do not put Frankie Muniz, however you say his last name, Clipper Daryl, in the same category as Billy Crystal. How dare, how dare you put Frankie in the same category as Billy Crystal? He's a legend. Go on, sorry. Duddle Sterling was not there, nor was Billy Crystal. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was cool, just kind of like taking in the seams and the vibes, and. Another thing, while you're just talking about hockey, coming to mind, I'm looking up in the rafters when I'm kind of taking things in, and there's number 99 in the rafters, and you just reminded yeah, right. that yeah, Gretzky right. played here. You're seeing like Magic's jersey up there as well, Magic Johnson, Kareem, all those things like in the rafters, and it's it's a special moment. It's a unique moment. That's cool. Yeah, and you know, so much for the game. It was it was a good game. It was really interesting. I didn't. I'm kind of sports team agnostic, so I was sitting there just looking around and like I'm surrounded with both Clippers fans and Cavs fans, but people are good natured and there's a lot of like banter. But it's it's cordial. It's mm-hmm. not as much like Schadenfreude. It's it's November in NBA, so you know low yeah. stakes. Yeah. But the game was great. Uh, Paul George was hot. They came back. They were losing. Made a run. They won. Home team. If you're not, if you're neutral and the home team wins, it's always good vibes. I was really impressed with the athleticism of of Donovan Mitchell. He's not that big. He's hmm. kind of like a sort of taller Russell Wilson. That's the vibe I got. I've seen Russell Wilson in person, and I was just like, man, this guy is so athletic. And the other guy that really stood out for me is Evan Mobley. The guy's Ooh. like seven foot and yeah. moves like a six foot five guy. Went to USC. Yes, sir. Hmm. But yeah, just that experience was unique and it was vibes. And, you know, for not having gone to any sort of sporting event for a while due to the pandemic, yes. that was significant with me. I got to hang with my buddy, Joe. That's fun. That's fun. And it was great. And it didn't break the wallet. So dream. That's good dream. vibes. That yeah. sounds great. Huh. What was the um, what was the tailgate situation? How did you prepare for said game? <laughs> you and Joe went out for dinner and a, a couple of the aforementioned Modelo Negros, or you just tried to get there as early as you could, so you just got there, parked, and, and rolled in, set the table. We worked a, worked our way around DTLA. Joe lives in downtown Los Angeles, so we kind of hit a few spots, went to a few like lounges and bars, uh, had some nice views of the city, hmm. a few cocktails here, a few cocktails there. 
had a really nice uh, dinner at a place I cannot remember the name. I want to say Pine and Crane, but it could be wrong. But it was a Taiwanese meal. Ran into a, a buddy there. Really good. Had some food in our bellies, but also had some room to to take down a few beers. Don't want to don't be too heavy, just like the Super Bowl. You don't eat too much. No, no. You want to be primed, like lubricated, but you don't want to be one in a bag, right? Like, yeah. You don't want to be two or three sheets that'll win. You got to find that sweet spot. That's the key to tailgating. You got to find that sweet spot. Speaking of tailgating, my sort of, well, it's my favorite, but one of my most memorable um sports viewing experiences would be my dad and I went to a game, a university of Michigan football game at the big house. Nice. Yeah. It was uh what year was that? That was 2012, 2013, something like that. Okay. It was wonderful. My dad went to Michigan, ran at Michigan. So it was really cool. We we parked, we tailgated on the the school's golf course, which was promoted. In <laughs> fact, that's what they wanted you to do. So on like every hole, there's RVs and smokers and people out just nice. chilling, having a good time. You know, in the Midwest, they love cornhole for some reason. Quite frankly, I don't get it, but whatever, whatever turns you crank. Um, so my dad and I sort of perused the University of Michigan golf course as we made our way towards Michigan Stadium, had drinks, made friends the whole way. Moonshine was thrown at us. Moonshine. Yeah, it could not be declined. Um, yeah, it was wonderful. It was it was a great time. Homemade, by the way? Oh, yeah, homemade. It was out of a jar, guy. This, this guy. That's when it. you know it's good. That's when you know it's good, yeah. It was warming. It was like a noon start, so, you know, a little moonshine at about 9.57 really sets you straight, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, uh, it, was, it was a wonderful time. Like I said, my dad went to Michigan, ran track in Michigan, so it was nostalgic for him. It was a wonderful experience. It was, it was great. So, yeah, we walk up through the golf course. We get up towards Michigan State stadium they're playing wisconsin you chirp the badgers fans again lightheartedly i'm not i don't really mean anything too serious but give them a little go as you walk by and we went in 114 000 at the big house thus why it's called the big house the largest football stadium at north america in north america is the big house and it was in in all its glory on that fall afternoon the sun was out it wasn't too cold it was beautiful man it was a beautiful day Michigan won. Uh, Denard Robinson played really well. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, you. Denard, Denard Robinson year. played really well. Yeah. Uh, you just mes- mentioned Russell Wilson. He wasn't the quarterback at Wisconsin at the time. There was another cat. I can't remember his name, but he played shoelace. Denard Robinson played really well, and um, ah, just an absolute gas. We sat in the one end zone. There, Michigan was driving towards us the whole time. My aunt bought us the tickets. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful day. Like, really was. Like I said to you in my garage, one of the top five days of my life, without question, without question. That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and the next day, just a little bit more. The next day. We went around Ann Arbor. My dad, we went on the track where he ran. We went to like his favorite pub. He showed me the house where he lived. It was, it was great. It was great. Uh, the other two that jumped to mind, they're kind of all college football. Um, <laughs> in a, a previous episode of the Sports Gloss, I talked about my time in Kilgore, Texas, a funny little town in the <laughs> northeast corner of the state of Texas. Look it up on a map, but don't go there. <laughs> at the uh at this i was doing some schooling in the school that where i was at jc we had 
half young, young American kids, young Texans, late teens, very, very early 20s. And the other people in the class were all um, older, more mature students from British Columbia. That's a, quite a mix. It's quite a mix. Quite a mix. Oh, there's lots to say there. I'll skip to the stadium experience. Um, a bunch of us British Columbians, we one of one of the the other students had a van. We drove from Kilgore down to Austin. Nice. And we watched the University of Texas play Kansas. It was Halloween weekend. Here's where this story gets good. Um, it was Halloween weekend. I took a picture with Priest Holmes, actually, oh. at, at, during that game. I wish I still had Running it. Back. That would be Legend. good. That would be good. Um, there is a, I won't say the, the word, there was a, the head coach at Kansas at that time was a large fella named Charlie Weiss, if you remember. <laughs> Also affiliated with the New England Patriots at one time. That's I know right. Charlie Weiss. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Charlie Weiss was there. And it was Halloween weekend. So obviously this game was on Saturday. This game was on Saturday night in Austin. The place is buzzing. As I mentioned, the six or seven of us that went down are all guys from BC, older guys from BC. So we go down there on the Saturday. On Sunday was Halloween. We, we rolled down there. Thinking, well, of course, the student section, as well as many others, are going to be dressed up for Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so we tailgate. That's another. We made some really great friends. The, the hosp- hospitality was incredible. Like, we roll into the parking lot, and then food and drink are just fine. Was, Throw up was, the horns a lot? A lot of hook'em horns. We mentioned Matthew McConaughey earlier in this episode. We'll do it again. He goes to every game, says yes to everything. So we're there. That's great. We get inside. And again, I'm assuming that the student population is going to be dressed for Halloween. Big Saturday night in Austin. We get in there. I should know the the capacity of the stadium. I don't. It's about... It's huge. It's probably 85,000, 88,000, something like that. It's not the big house, but it's big. Yeah. The undergrad population is probably over 50 Okay, so. massive school. Yeah, massive school. So in all those, let's call them eighty thousand people. JC, the only six people dressed up for Halloween were these seven seven guys from BC. <laughs> so we we're walking through the concourse. We we're walking through to the bathroom. You can't buy beer at the time. You can buy alcohol at a college football game at the time, right? Yeah. So we we're getting popcorn and drinks or whatever, and some food. And again, we are the only people <laughs> dressed for success you on know Halloween. What, you know what <laughs> young, young coeds, they used to be called, yeah. are looking at us like, yeah. what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> Keep in mind, we're, we're way out of relevance. So like someone went to a costume shop in the crappy little town of Kilgore. So we had like a sexy cop guy from Surrey. We <laughs> Like, I think I was dressed as a sailor. W- one guy was Batman. We had the most basic, <laughs> lame costumes. Like, we were pathetic. But we wanted to get in the spirit. And again, we assumed that everyone else was going to be rolling with frivolity like we were, right? Way off. Way <laughs> off. So funny. The amount of looks I got in the bathroom when I went to take a leak. Oh, something else, guy. Probably the same looks I get at redacted... Uh... Yeah, Rexon. Saturday yeah. morning. Yeah, on the pool deck. Yeah, on the pool deck. And the last one for me, 
Um, my partner went to Cal in Berkeley. So we're lucky enough. One time we got onto the field, we had field passes due to her being a bit of a celebrity there. We went on down on the field and got the full, the full ticket. It was, it was pretty neat. Speaking of the speed and the power of, um, these athletes, when you see them up close, watching them warm up was something else, man. It was, it was, it was breathtaking. Was this a Tedford years? Jeff Tedford? Tedford is the uh, coach? Yeah, it was Tedford years. And you spent, you lived in Berkeley for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I I had some great times. I think that's the most underrated college football stadium in the United States. Strawberry Canyon Memorial Stadium in Berkeley, California, Northern California, just outside of Oakland. Oh, what a place. That might be heaven on earth. It's unique. I mean, it's it's right there in the city. Like you're, you know, you walk out and like you're in the city, you can go to a pub or whatever as well. If you're on the right side of the stadium, you can watch that amazing sunset over San Francisco. You can see the whole bay. You can see everything. Your point, um, they call it cheap, cheapskate hill, uh, cheap watt hill, right? <laughs> yeah. So students and other community members just climb up on the side of that hill and you can watch the game happen from sort of above the stadium looking down on it. And to your point, the you can watch the sun sink into the bay. It's such a dope spot. It is. It's, it's beautiful. It's unique. It's it's awesome. And and the the fan base is great. Like Cal Bears are blue and gold everywhere. Just vibes totally. How long did you live in that area? Four years. Neat. Yeah. I had a great time there. It was uh you know, I preferred that area to San Francisco, honestly. Mm. It was just a lot more going on, a lot more diverse, a lot more headspace, just energy, a lot of that emanating from the university. Sure. A lot of creativity. Is there ever? Yeah. San Francisco is great, but it can be a little bit dot com y at sure. that period when I was there from 07 to 11. So I really cherished my time there and would also, you know, would often walk up Telegraph Ave on the way to campus and, and catch the vibes there. So I feel you. Neat, man. Neat. JC, let's take a break. Let's take a break. busy the last couple of days there's a lot of activity it's been a hive of activity what's been happening over here the last couple of days haven't seen yet drop off pal <laughs> it's been a week bro it's been a week so first of all i'll say my in-laws have been away god bless them they make this all happen they are the ones that provide daycare or child care after school so enables me to work a little bit later enables my my wife as well to work a little bit a little bit later they've been enjoying themselves in hawaii for three weeks and that's awesome they need it recharge get out of victoria in february the sky has no color mm-hmm. go to somewhere where you can get vibes so i'm down for that as a result i've been running around doing the drop-offs and pickups and if you don't know basically 
school day is roughly 8.45 to about 2.35, 2.37, something like that. So kind of smack dab in the middle of my work day as, mm-hmm. as a, uh, an office guy. I work from home, so it enables me to do that. My wife's a teacher, so she's not able to, you know, help with the drop-offs and pickups. Totally fine, part of the deal. But, but usually your in-laws assist with that at times, exactly. if I may be so bold. Yeah, I drop off, and then they pick up, and then they bring the kids back around around 4.30 or so, 5 o'clock, and it all works perfectly. S- smoothly. It's so great. So as a result, we've had to adjust, and some friends even that like help us up t- typically picking up the kids have had some stuff going on this week as well. So it's been an adjustment period, but as a result, we've had to do that. But along with that, a little bit of a wrinkle, a little bit of a wrinkle. My uh, youngest, my six-year-old Nico has been very sick, very sick. And uh, that's been trying because (laughs) not once, not twice, but three times this week, he has projectile vomited. Oh, thrice on the vomiting. Yeah, third time's the charm. So there was one situation yesterday that kind of takes the cake and I'll just highlight that. I work from home, as I mentioned. I was about to go into a meeting, a scrum, if you know, you know. And um, rugby, rugby, <laughs> more like agile methodology, but it's all good. Um, so, I'm about to go into this meeting, literally log into the meeting, got the Bluetooth headphones rolling, some screens, boop, 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 people popping on. And then the next thing, as soon as the, uh, the guy leading the call comes on, I say, you know, Kyle. I got to run. My son just threw up on himself. In the other room, my my son's calling out to me. I go into him, go into the room and look at him and just is a mess. That's all I'll say. It's a mess. Mm. It's ugly. And I immediately have to pivot from, you know, giving a rundown of what I'm doing in that day at work to stripping the bed, showering him, starting laundry. Clean up. Clean up mode. (laughs) Clean up on aisle here. Yeah. And uh, just... Yeah, and then also, obviously, I care about the kids, so I'm just, like, sitting there with Nico. I'm just like, are you okay? Like, he's upset. He's a little bit embarrassed. He's working through those emotions. Of course. So we get him into a state, but that'll put a a wrench in your your day. And then also that my other kid's at school, so then I have to, like, juggle and, and, you know, go pick him up and then mind the, the sick child at home as well. So it's been a week, man. It's not for the faint of heart. That's a rough ride the last couple of days for you guys over here. Rough ride. Yeah. Also, there was another <laughs> wrinkle to it. As, Go on. As well. Um, I don't know if anybody's had, any listeners had to deal with sleep tears or uh, just, um, I'm blanking here. Sleepwalking? Sleepwalking. Gosh, I'm tired. <laughs> Speaking of... <laughs> But my kids, uh, unfortunately, have to combat that at times. The other night, at about one thirty in the morning, just deep slumber. Uh, Dante runs down and is like, "Nico is experiencing something." I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, "Nico's up." So I just hear screaming upstairs. I sleep downstairs. Kids sleep upstairs. I just hear screaming and don't know what's going on. And kid, he's sleepwalking. You know, and then on the back of like vomiting and all this other stuff that's going on, I don't know what's happening. So, my wife is a saint, and she gets up and, and kind of takes over the situation. But 
basically had to like <laughs> you roll back over and pull the blankets up <laughs> i mean i was private <laughs> but she she took the initiative and she's awesome but it's it's one of those things where I don't know if you've ever encountered that, but earlier in the week I had a sleepwalking episode as well. Sleepwalking's a trip, man. It's like it's wild. Yeah. They don't know what is happening. Like it was, I was just sitting there and just I'm trying to talk to him. And the thing that brings my kids back when they're sleepwalking or having night terrors is water, like having a sip of water. Hmm. So I know at first time I, it happened, I thought like I was at like, you know, witnessing like some sort of reckoning or something like that. It's, it's wild when you're just seeing it because someone is, presents as being awake, but then they're not awake at all. And you're trying to talk to them and they have no concept of what's going on. Hmm. So anyway, you're trying to rationalize with someone that you can't, but usually with my kids, they drink some water. They snap of, back. They snap back, yeah. right? So we got them settled, but then it's kind of that, thing that you probably are enduring at home from time to time is just kind of the midnight post midnight wee hours waking up and then trying to get back into your sleep rhythm true so happens every night often a couple of times condolences (laughs) but yeah it's just uh, one of those things where it's just been a week man it's been a week just kind of running around fighting that good fight Mm -hmm. trying to do god's work out there raise these kids up Mm -hmm. and then the funny thing is the like kind of hilarious thing is they're throwing up, they're doing all this stuff, sleepwalking. But then the next that is hilarious. <laughs> it is a bit hilarious objectively. Go on. But then you come back, and I'm working, and they're home from school this week, and I come downstairs, and they're like watching TV, playing video games, having a good old time. Nice like, little Thursday. Yeah, just <laughs> nice little Thursday for yourself. Not even phased. Like hours ago, I was like, "Do I call the doctor?" Yeah, yeah. and they're just like. Marvel cartoons, and I'm just like, what is happening? I'm like, have I been played? You're literally surviving and advancing three or four hours previously. <laughs> he, then you roll down, and these guys are just cold chilling. I mean, I appreciate the resiliency, yes. but also agreed. It's agreed. kind of a fuck you. Yeah, it is. It is. Puts you right back in your place. Hey, eh? <laughs> yeah. Thank God for the re- resiliency. Actually, we started our week. Today's Thursday. We started our week together on Sunday. We had uh, we had the Cox family over at the Kelly Casa for a little hang. What a lovely time that was. God, your wife's amazing. Your children, beautiful, amazing. What a nice time we had. Right back at you. It was great. Thanks for hosting. It was a really good time. It was like sleeting outside or doing all kinds of wintry mix kind of things. Mm-hmm. But you uh, gave us a, a nice little setting there. Hung out. Had the kids. You have a lovely home. Kay was cooking up some beautiful uh, chicken noodle soup, Woo! which my kids immediately had me come over and remove all of the carrots and chicken and celery and anything that wasn't beige because that's all they fucking eat. Jamal shoots me this side-eyed glance as he's scooping the carrots and celery, anything colorful out of his son's bowl, and he sort of shoots me this side-eyed glance like, this is unbelievable. It's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) There was no embarrassment in the room, but I get your point. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. It's tough when you got to bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich (laughs) on standby because your hosts have been working hard to make an amazing, (laughs) 
great meal and you know that your kids are going to refute it immediately. And then mm. they have to sit there and just be like, yeah, they're not going to eat this. And Caleb looks at me, he's like, nothing? Like, not going to touch it? Like, not even going to try it? That is over reading a book and throwing a, a nice fire that you had started. And, and he could have been less interested in the food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But also, the kicker, by the way, we got home down two bowls of cereal. Oh, I bet. What kind of cereal? Vector. <laughs> My teeth hurt when you say Vector. My teeth started <laughs> you to... should. I had a, a filling in the back left started to ping at me when you said Vector. <laughs> it's a young man's game. <laughs> Vector's definitely a young man's game. No, we had a lovely time. It's so wonderful to have you guys over and spend some time. Your, your family's great, and it's cool, and it's, it's awesome watching... Q is so attentive and just just really smart. Like I can tell she's taking in everything. It's it's so cool. LJ's doing her thing. Zadie's destroying everything like a young Godzilla. It's it's a beautiful scene. Oh yeah, well put. No, Quincy certainly certainly is taking in everything. I gotta we really gotta watch ourselves now. She's absorbing it all as Dante is too. They're at that age where they're really It's 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 good and it's bad because it's it like is. It's it like is. they're really bright and like you know whip smart but it's mm. like oh shit they can read yeah and like they're like catching text messages sometimes i'm like that's not for you <laughs> you, you don't know what need to know about this that's you need to know about my that, life that's bit me in the ass a couple of times yeah good point and then we're sliding into tomorrow night we're all going to sort of together but separately but together going to Hopefully a wonderful, speaking of uh, sporting environments, we're going to a lovely basketball game tomorrow night. Canada West Finals, UVic versus the University of Winnipeg. Man, that should be a cracker. It's sold out. Supporting the locals here on the Sports Gloss, this is going to be a heck of a time. I think the vibe in that little barn. I haven't been to a UVic game, basketball game, men's or women's in about five years. But I'm quite excited by the prospects of this. I'm pretty tickled. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a blast. I'm glad that we were able to procure tickets because it's sold out. And like you said, lots of stakes on the line. Winner goes to Nationals. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> How did, did you that say fast? that? Did that fast five times. Antigonish. Antigonish. Oh, I've never. Antigonish. Yeah. My, my I want to correct you, but I'm there. not sure how to how it. I don't know. Uh, so they play, Uvic plays Winnipeg tomorrow night. Yeah. They beat them twice, I think. The I think Westman. So too. Uh, yeah. Uvic's ranked two in the country. That's wild. Yeah, man. I think it's going to be a cracker. It's going to be great. Uh, Diego Mafia, Oak Aver- Bay, Oak Bay, uh, local product, product. product. Yeah. Averaging 24 and a half a game. Not too shabby. 6 1 PG. I love it. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun just to have those vibes have the kids there and kind of catching just the the gravity of the moment mm-hmm. the, I think. Envir- the environment too yeah we're I'm talking looking about for- good experiences in, in barns earlier no kidding i'm excited to get your take on it as a guy who went to vcu watch a lot of obviously great college basketball and a guy who plays basketball himself i'm excited to get your take on how you you feel about the gameplay I, I feel like, as a guy who played Canadian college basketball, you're going to be really impressed by the speed and the power we just talked about when you're live. I think I, I think and I hope you're really going to you're going to admire how fast these athletes are moving and how well they're playing the game. I think it's going to throw you back a little bit. Spoken like a true Canadian trying to impress an American. I guess so. I love it. No, I'm ex- I'm excited. And I looked at a few highlights in the past few days, and guys are dropping dimes. Guys are hitting threes. 
the level is there. So I think it's going to be really exciting and I'm not going to be that dude, but yeah, I had some, some D1 experience, but at the same time, I think these guys can run with everyone. Number two in the country. That, that gap has shrunk. The, well, the, look at the U.S. Canadian, Canadian university gap has shrunk. Look at the Canadian national team now, like the sure. products that you're putting out there. They're going to be a force to re-reckon with in Absolutely. the Olympics for sure. This and is that, and the that's golden trickle- age. Sorry to cut you off. That's trickling down into the Canadian university system too. That The level of Canadian university basketball, men's and women's has risen incrementally in the last five to 10 years. And the difference between CIS hoops or U sport hoops, as it's now known, and division one or division two in the States, that gap has shrunk. It's closer than most people realize. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful to see it up and close in person. Like we were saying um, earlier, everything sports related is, is so much better and enhance when you're right there and get the vibes with the crowd and everything. It's a home game. Everything's at stake. Place is going to be buzzing. I'm buying the straight and narrows tomorrow night. <laughs> you're working on a Huckleberry vodka. I hope they have it tomorrow night. Delicious. First round's on me, JC. Straight and narrows, baby. I'll take you up on it. <laughs> and with that, thanks again for joining us on the Sports Gloss, Jamal. What a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful episode we've had. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to move into talking about some college basketball as March Madness is upon us. Got some um, conference tournaments next week. I'll fill you in a little bit maybe with uh, how Indian Wells is going. we got some other things. We've always got some stories. Q&A with J&J will be on tap as well. Big time. For sure. So with that, enjoy your weekend. And as always, survive and advance. See you next time. Peace. Peace.